The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com earnings right now. NetSuite.com earnings. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Beijing will unveil a litany of economic indicators that will likely determine the pace of monetary and fiscal stimulus for the remainder of the year. Let's preview these figures now with Wei Yao, head of research, also the chief economist for the APAC region at Societe Generale CIB. Wei, thanks for being with us. How bad do you think these numbers are going to be? Well, the, we're expecting the Q2 GDP growth to slide to something around 2%, which will imply a 1.5% Q&Q contraction. But uh, I guess maybe carry more information, more timely information will be the June data, which probably hopefully will show that the economic recovery was picking up paces. So we're expecting uh, a bit of a, a weaker read, a sharp slowdown. But when you look at the choices faced by China here, when you've got stimulating growth or pursuing COVID zero, one of these two goals has got to give, surely. Well, they're trying very hard to balance these goals, but you're right, it's it's very, very challenging. Uh, well, no one else has found the balance but just you know living with COVID, but China is still trying. Um, and in, in early July, we're seeing, you know, this, um, this balancing is a little bit uh, wobbling again uh, with uh, cases uh, flare up. So we could continue to face this pressure from zero COVID on the economy. And uh, our, we do think, you know, things like consumption is unlikely to have a proper recovery until zero COVID is behind. What about the property market? I think we're going to get some data at the bottom of the hour. Are you confident that the property market on the mainland has put in somewhat of a floor or a bottom? That is actually our main concern right now. Um, in the second half, um, the recovery, the biggest, the most important factor is going to be housing. It's a sure thing, almost a sure thing that infrastructure can come back because of all the money governments throw at it. But housing still hinges on the, the confidence of China's household sector, and which is very weak right now. And not to mention, housing was at a pretty bad place already before the zero COVID policy um, uh, resulted in lockdown. And uh, we're seeing all these stress on the developers. So it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's at a pretty critical moment right now. Yeah, we've also got a mortgage payment boycott in parts of China. How serious a risk is this? So if we just look at you know the the, the scale of the mortgage non-payments as it is right now, it's not systemic, right? But the concern is we can get a, a vicious circle that if the households stop paying um, buying pre-sale properties, 
that will lead to further strain on the developers and who are not going to build more housing. And that's going to drag the economic growth. That's the concern here. And uh, way among the uh, pieces of data we're anticipating out of China uh, at the top of the R is retail sales. Uh, expecting to see a, a slight rebound from negative territory there. What are we knowing about the health of the Chinese consumer? Well, the retail sales is likely to see a uh, slight positive, maybe just escaping the contraction in June. Um, But uh, there is an element of pent-up demand here as people people in Shanghai and Beijing got out of lockdown. Um, But the underlying strength of the consumption doesn't seem to be too well. Um, there, it's it's for obvious reason now that the confidence is probably not far from fully restored as the zero COVID policy is still in place, and uh, the income prospects, the job prospects are still pretty uh, lackluster to, to to say the least. So we we're not expecting the consumption to do um, spectacularly well from here. Um, this uh, could be the last sector to recover uh, properly in the, in the economy. So I want to go back to a point that Brian just made when he was uh, talking about uh, Premier Li Keqiang highlighting the risk of imported inflation. To what extent could this be a major headwind for the economy? We're not that concerned about inflation in China, at least not the demand-driven one. Yes, there is imported inflation. We're seeing you know, energy prices, for example, driving up CPI, particularly in June. Uh, there is a bit of concern on the pork prices, but by and large, the demand in domestic demand in China remains very, very weak. That's a very different dynamics from that in the U.S. or Europe. Um, as as you know, our top concern is still more on the gross domestic demand side. And we think the government should not be distracted by this data. Or if they worried, maybe use more fiscal support, more targeted measure to support the economy. Yeah, what what are the implications here for the PBOC? Uh, are we going to see that uh, divergence with uh, developed world central banks continuing for quite some time? Uh, we think actually the divergence probably may be peaking soon or now. Um, PBOC, if you look at the short dated rates in the in the mar- interbank market, you know they have fallen so much below PBOC's uh, own rate seven day reverse repo which means that we actually got de facto rate cuts without PBOC announcing it. And if anything, the PBOC may be looking to drink some liquidity and push the short rates a little bit higher. Um, the and, and also, you know, I think the PBOC seems to be reluctant to deliver more headline rate cuts to MLF rate, for example, or triple R, um, to avoid piling more depreciation pressure on the currency. So um, maybe we're seeing very much uh, the end of the PBOC headline. Action. Yeah, you just uh, kind of read my mind here because we have now in the Bloomberg terminal indication that the PBOC has kept the one-year MLF rate unchanged at 285. I don't think it's a missed opportunity, but maybe we see a change of heart down the road and, and the kind of the PBOC must provide a little bit more accommodation based on everything we've been describing. It's possible. Yes, yes. I think uh, um, if the PBOC has to do something, they, they need to lower the MLF. But uh, we have sensed so much hesitation. Maybe we need worse data to convince them. So the importance of M- MLF rate is that if you lower that one, uh, the loan prime rates can be lowered as well. That would be a more direct way to lower the funding costs, borrowing costs in the real economy, especially for the housing sector. So that we think is actually still necessary. How does China's credit market look to you at the moment? Uh, not good. <laughs> 
well, the develop well, we we know the problems in the developer sector. You know, nearly all the private developers are, have either defaulted or close to defaulting, and now we're seeing spillover to the uh, investment grade seg- segment, at least in offshore. That's all telling us, uh, you know, the, the the liquidity condition, the credit condition in the economy remains pretty dire, and the government needs to do something to help. All right. Uh, Wei Yao, we will leave it there. But thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Wei Yao is Head of Research and Chief Economist for the Asia-Pacific at Societe Generale CIB. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.